The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic, Dynamic pet, pet Duo. Duo. You are listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. You know, this week I want to mention my dog, Thames. Thames is the oldest of my dogs. He's 15 years old. He's definitely the old man. I got to admit, he has difficulty seeing, hearing, and walking. He's really deteriorated in the last three months. Everything is so much harder for him. But, you know, then when I see him snatch a piece of steak out of Dr. Fleck's hands and really enjoy eating it, I realize he's just the same old, same dog. I was going to say same old dog, same old dog, just older. God bless you, Thames. Just keep on keeping on. Mommy loves you. Okay. But now let's kick off the show with the uh, weekly countdown. So in segment four, we're talking with veterinarian Dr. Jillian Engless from the College of Veterinary Medicine, Western University of Health Sciences, about the importance of knowing about breed-specific diseases. In segment three, automotive expert Lauren Fix is joining us to talk about how to get the pet stink out of your car. And in two, in this portion of the show, I talk about celebrities and their pets. And I, in Flex Facts, give you the 411 about pet health. And in segment one, well, each year hurricane season begins on June 1st and lasts five months, with storms typically peaking in August and September. As with every hurricane season, regardless of a forecast, knowing the essentials of how to pet prepare could truly be a lifesaver, not only to you, but to also your pet. So joining us today is Diane Robinson, Program Manager for the Humane Society Disaster Response Animal Rescue Team. Diane, we are so pleased to welcome you back to the Pet Buzz today. Thank you for having me. So is it true that pets can detect hurricanes before they happen? Yeah, animals have an incredible sense and uh, seem to be able to detect uh, all types of disasters. Noticing the pressure changes or the shift, you know, earthquakes, the shift in the environment. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. They're amazing. You know, I'm actually glad you mentioned that, um, that brought up that question, Dr. Fleck, because, you know, usually, usually before storms, a lot of people take video and they see the animals getting upset and trying to hunker down or trying to get out. So I'm glad we actually talked about that. Okay. Well, here's my question. Although storms generally peak in August and September, why is it important to prepare now? And what does that preparation entail if you are a pet owner? Well, you always want to be prepared for whatever type of disaster might hit your uh, your community and, and impact you as a family. So hurricane season started June 1st, and that's a great time to look at your kit and make sure that everything is updated and current so that you have fresh food and fresh medications if you keep medications in there that everything is current for that time period. You never know when a disaster is going to strike, and we're seeing a lot more of these storms, especially these earlier storms, that are uh, popping up much closer to land, giving you even less time to evacuate. 
Well, you mentioned food and medicines, but what other essential supplies should you have to provide for the hurricane for your pet? Yeah, you want to make sure you've got the food, the water, your medications. You've got your pet's paperwork available with all of the vaccinations and stuff. You want to have a photograph of you and your pet uh, and a photograph like showing all the different sides, any special markings of your pet and um, leashes litter, you know, whatever, for whatever kind of pet, those specialty items that they would need. And the other thing we recommend is that, uh, and it may be something you grab when you're ready to go, but something that's familiar smelling to your pet. So a favorite blanket or toy or something that will help bring them comfort in the stressed out environment. Great, great list. We may, we make sure you have to have all that stuff, you know, it's important. So if there's a hurricane, where should you and your pet bunker down at? Evacuation is the key. If it is recommended that you evacuate, then, then that's what we encourage. People look to evacuations if it hits major status, so category three to five. But what people need to realize, even the lower category storms can cause significant damage. Storm surge that's going to flood the areas and you're going to have all the infrastructure that's going to be impacted. So being able to get the resources to take care of you and your pet through the disaster. Uh, so, you know, first is evacuate to uh, whatever areas are recommended for emergency sheltering. Uh, and, and so with that, especially in the age of COVID, uh, we would recommend that you have some, some plans and some backup plans uh, for people that you and your pet can stay with outside of the areas or, hotels, but they tend to fill up fast. So we're talking with Diane Robinson from the Humane Society Disaster Response Animal Rescue Team. She's one of our favorite people, and she's joining us to talk about hurricane pet preparedness. So Diane, remind us if you have to evacuate, why we should take our pets. Now, I know you guys talk about this all the time, but it it just never happens. There's always somebody who leaves their pet behind. And then what happens, Diane? It's not often not good when the pets get left behind. And, you know, there there was a, a history where people thought, well, I'll get back in no time. You know, we'll evacuate. We'll be gone a couple of days. We'll leave food and water and we'll come back. Well, you know, Hurricane Katrina showed that you may not come back in the timeline that you were thinking um, a number of storms. But I think that was the first real eye opener for some folks was you may not get back as soon as you think. And if it isn't safe for you to be there, then it certainly isn't safe for your pet. These animals of ours, they depend on us to keep them safe and to keep them fed, and they want to be with us. So when you evacuate, if they can sense the storm coming in and they sense your nervousness and you leaving, think of the trauma that that's going to cause on that animal to be left behind when they need you the most. And don't leave your pet in a cage, okay? Like the people who leave their dogs in the cage outside, that never works. Your dog or could tethered. drown or tethered. Or the people who might live in a low-lying area. I mean, I remember a video mm. I saw where the Maltese was lying on the couch. Well, shh, the water in the house was like eight feet. Carrying the couch. Carrying the couch. And the dog was so lucky. They just in time saved her. But then you're also endangering the lives of first responders. Absolutely. You know, the people had to figure out how to get in yeah. the house, swim in, 
save this dog and then get out with the dog. And they're in, you know, eight, nine feet of sludge trying to get get your pet safe. So, so Diane, if you, if you take your pet with you to the shelter, what do you need to be admitted? Check with your local, the local shelter standards because it does vary somewhat around the country. But the main things that you need are your animals should be current on all of their vaccines. Rabies is, is required around the country everywhere. Uh, Bordetella is really good when you're going into a, a community shelter where they're going to be around other animals. Uh, you also, again, go back to you want photographs of you and your pet. You want any other vet records that your pet has. Uh, if there's any specialty kind of diet concerns, you know, that are medical, uh, what that information is from your veterinarian. And you, they need a leash or they need to be in a container. I've had, or, you know, a carrier. I've had people walk into it, animal shelter with barking dogs and all kinds of other animals and smells, and they're just holding their cat in the arms. That's just terrifying. And if that animal gets loose, they'll react very differently in a disaster environment. And so you always have to be prepared for them getting loose. So keep them restrained. Yeah, and you know, one of my favorite things is the $15 pop-up shelter Mm -hmm. that you can buy at Walmart. It comes in two colors, red and green, and it can hold a cat in a litter box or a medium size to a small dog. It's a good time to buy it. Well, everyone, that was Diane Robinson from the Humane Society Disaster Response Animal Rescue Team discussing why it's necessary to pet prepare. Later on the show, we're talking about breed-specific diseases. Now, for all of you with mixed-breed dogs, don't think this doesn't apply to you. It does, especially if you know your dog's mix. That's going to be in segment four, so you want to stick around for that. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. So I just moved in with this family and it's embarrassing. The little one, he likes to go outside and crawl around in the giant litter box. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, I was born and I knew how to use the litter box. That's disgusting. I really hope he grows out of this for his sake. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. 
So thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. The show was hosted by the dynamic pet duo on Pet Trendologist, Charlotte Reed. So let's kick off segment two with celebrity news and gossip. According to People Magazine, Tiger King Carol Baskin and her Big Cat Rescue Corporation are prepared to help the animals of the GW Exotic Animal Memorial Park in Wynwood, Oklahoma. But Jeff Lowe says he doesn't need her help. Baskin and her Big Cat Rescue Corporation have been granted control of the Oklahoma Zoo property, which has been under the control of Joseph, that's Joe Exotic, Maladano Passages, ex-business partner Lowe, who starred in the Netflix docuseries. But by a judge, you found that the property was fraudulently transferred to Maladano Passage's mother years ago. According to the ruling, Lowe has 120 days to vacate the premises, including all of the animals that currently reside there. That's according to the ruling. Now, in a statement this week, Lowe addressed the lawsuit and confirmed that Baskin will not be taking any of the animals from the zoo. He said that although he is not personally named in the lawsuit, it appears that Carol Baskin and her desire to exact revenge against Joe Exotic Trump's the livelihood of the families that came together to save her life. If you recall, and you've watched Tiger King, and if you haven't, you should watch it, that Joe wanted to kill Carol, unfortunately, but it's Jeff and the crew that worked there did what they could to save her life. So that's why he's saying, furthermore, he notes that without their efforts, the workers, Carol would not be alive. He also mentioned that, well, she will be taking the cages from the zoo, which he is thankful for because that means the animals will finally have a proper amount of space to move around. Additionally, he announced that he said that he has been building the greatest tiger park the world has ever seen. The new facility, Tiger King Park, will be opening in Thackerville, Oklahoma this September, directly adjacent to the world's largest casino, Windstar World Casino and Resort. I think that's very interesting that he's uh, moving next to a casino. I wonder where he got the money for that property. Anyway, we'll find out more celebrity pet gossip next week. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. And now what I've been waiting for, Flex Facts. Dr. Fleck, you were telling me that you treated a cat that had ear mites. And I hadn't heard anything about ear mites in a really long time. So let's talk about that. What do you want to know? Well, what are ear mites? I don't really know what they are. I mean, I, they look like black gunk. Okay. Yeah, they do look like black gunk. The ear mite is a surface insect that lives on cats, dogs, rabbits, and ferrets. It is usually found in the ear canal, but it can also live on the skin surfaces. Remember that. Okay. Ear mites are highly contagious and animals become infested by direct contact with another infested animal. The mite is barely visible to the naked eye and may be seen as a white speck moving against a dark background. Oh, okay. So what's the life cycle of an ear mite? Well, it takes approximately three weeks for a mite to develop from egg to adult, going through a total of five stages, pupil, larvae, etc. The adult ear mites live about two months, during which time they continually reproduce. The entire ear mite life cycle takes place on the host animal 
although mites can survive for a limited time in the environment. Okay, so they can fall off on the carpet and still survive for a few days. Okay, so is it common to have an infestation like that? Well, infestations are primarily a problem in puppies and kittens, although pets of any age can be infected. Okay, so basically, what are the symptoms of ear mites? Obviously, they're in the ear. Oh, yeah, it's pretty obvious what the clinical signs of infestation are. Notice I said infestation, not infection. They vary in severity from one pet to another and include a combination of any of the following. Ear irritation, causing scratching of the ears or head shaking. Okay. A dark, waxy or crusty discharge from the ear. Okay. Areas of hair loss resulting from self-trauma caused by scratching or excessive grooming. A crusted rash around or on the ear. And when severe, an oral hematoma or an ear hematoma. I was going to guess that because we talked about ear hematomas a few weeks ago on Flex Facts, and the thing was, you said when the dog excessively scratches his ear, and it gets all, the ear gets full, right? Yeah, so okay. that, that's your explanation of what an ear hematoma is. Okay. It's pretty obvious. You can't miss it when it's present. Um, and the reason why it occurs is because of the shaking of the head or okay. trauma to the head and small blood vessels between the skin and the cartilage of the of the ear just the flap part, flappy part of the ear. Right. And it results, or can result in scratching of the ears. Mm-hmm. But skin lesions most frequently affect the ear and surrounding skin, but occasionally other areas of the body can be affected too. Okay. So then how do you diagnose them? Is it just like obviously the symptoms, but? Well, typically clinical signs with a history of contact with another cat or dog would suggest the involvement of ear mites. Although ear mites cause ear diseases, other conditions can result in very similar clinical signs and must be ruled out first before treatment is begun. In other words, don't go to the store and buy ear mite medication because you will probably damage the ear more without a proper diagnosis. So a diagnosis made by observing the mite, this is usually straightforward, It may be done either by examinations of the pet ears with an otoscope or by microscopic examination of the discharge of the ear. I do both. Okay. If the ears are very sore, the pet may need to be sedated to allow the ears to be properly examined and treated. Okay, so let's talk about treatment. What do you do? Well, your veterinarian will advise you about what insecticide products are suitable. Don't forget I said insecticides because that's what mites are. Okay. There are several ear medications licensed for the treatment of ear mites in pets. So medication can penetrate the eggs or pupa sometimes, but not very frequently. So treatment is directed at killing the adult and the larval forms. Right, because you said earlier they constantly reproduce. Constantly reproduce. Okay, so then you have to really kill off the older ones in the like the last two stages, and then as the other eggs and... So babies. it's a continual treatment. Right, okay. You can't just treat once. It's continually over three or four, four weeks. Got it. A variety of different treatment options are available to the vet. Some are daily topical medications or a single use products such as Revolution or Advantage Multi are actually my 
choice. Okay. But eradication of the mites from the pets will cure any problem. Okay. So anything else? That's all the flex facts for this week. You know, I mean, I'm kind of getting the whole picture. We're seeing things that are kind of interacting. Really? That's so important. Integrative interaction with your pet. So important. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the great things about doing Flex Facts is the fact that you're learning. I mean, we're not talking about anything so complicated, but we're learning more each week about pet health. Pet health, general pet health that every pet owner should be aware of. So this way you can, if possible, prevent it. So I think that's a good thing. Okay, so stick around. More of the pet buzz very soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the Week. I want to be a contender. I want a warm belly to sleep on. A big house. How do I look? Do, do I look good? I want to play hard. My nails done. Once a month. I want. I want. I want a home. I just want a home. I want someone to love. Last year, more than 30,000 companion animals came to us without homes. 20,000 of them were felines. Let's make some homes. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian, Dr. Michael Fleck. It's genius. It's to die for. I like it. You know, my hammy loves our new house, but he also loves to run out of the front door. He's not used to living anywhere except the clinic where. Our apartment is in the clinic building and he would run outside and he would be enclosed in a yard behind these 12 foot high walls and two locked fences. So in the new house, I needed to find a solution and found the Cardinal retractable gate. It's a great solution when you need a safety gate, but you want the flexibility of storing it out of the way. There's mesh and the mesh allows visibility and it's great for pretty much all pets. So you can keep the gate retracted and out of the way when it's not in use or easily removed from the mounting brackets and store for later use. There's also no obstructions to your path wall while the gate is retracted. The minimalist design is a great addition to any home and is available in black or white. I chose white and it's about $79 at Walmart, but you can check it out at cardinalgates.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-N-A-L gates.com it's a little bit more there it's about 89 dollars, but that's my i likey for the week so although you may brush and bathe your pet regularly it's inevitable that he or she will leave behind hair and dirt after riding in the backseat of your car some dirt and hair still will make their way to other parts of the vehicle especially when the windows are rolled down and the breeze is coming through to tackle this pet mess we're enlisting the help of a notable auto expert 
Yes, joining us today is Lauren Fix, who lives life in the fast lane, literally. When this automotive expert, author, spokesperson, TV personality, and I can't forget race car driver, wife, and mother of two roars past, heads turn. Lauren Fix is an award-winning author of three automotive books, has appeared on Regis and Kelly, Today, Oprah 2020, The View, CNBC, CNN, Fox News, HLN, and MSNBC. So, let's give a warm welcome to Lauren today on the Pet Buzz. Thank you for having me. So, do our dogs contribute to our dirty cars? Oh, yes. I mean, dogs are outside running in the park and running in the roads and doing whatever they do in their backyard, and then they get into your vehicle, so whatever they stepped in gets tracked into your backseat. Oh, no. I'm thinking of, inevitably, like <laughs> doggy poop or like bird crap. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah then, that too. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, at this time of the year, I'm thinking dog beach. Yeah. And it's hard to get that. It's hard. One thing to get the sand out of your car when you have kids. I mean, with moist, a dog. Moist sand. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. And well, it gets all over the back seat, too. So, I mean, it's, just, it's not just on the floor like with a child. It's on the seat. It's everywhere. Exactly. And if they shake, forget about it. It's oh everywhere. God, yes. Every nook and cranny. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay. So, what's the oh, best yeah. way to clean up the car when the dog's been riding around town in it with you? Well, want to get rid of any large chunks of dirt and then a good vacuum. You can use a shop vac. Uh, try not to use your household vac. And then, of course, don't forget the carpets used. Automotive products in the car, not household products, because you can destroy your interior. You know, it's interesting because I just got a shop vac for the, our cars to clean the cars. Mm. And I just picked one up. It wasn't very expensive. It was like $30. But, I mean, you know, cleaning that car. And, of course, you have all the not only the dirt and the sand, but you got all that hair. All Especially, we have Dr. Fleck and I have a Golden Retriever. Mm-hmm. And we have another mixed breed dog, like an Aussie Norwegian Elk Hound mix. So there's all that blonde and gray hair all over the A car. shedding double-coated dog. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot. And it's shedding season now. It's the mm-hmm. spring. So imagine if you guys have a German Shepherd. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You got to really like to vacuum, right, Lauren? Well, that, and you can also use a lint roller. If you've got one of those, you can buy them for, you know, three and four dollar. You can use that to get the hair up. Sometimes the vacuum won't get it all, but a good vacuum cleaner is really worthwhile because you can use it all the time. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking to automotive expert and my friend Lauren Fix about cleaning the doggy out of your car. So Lauren, talk to us about using wipes to wipe up the car. What should we use? Yeah, that, that's. There's a lot of great wipes you can use to clean up leather interiors or vinyl interiors, but when it comes to cloth, you're going to have to use either a lint roller or preferably a vacuum cleaner. And, of course, you can use those wipes for the windows, too, so you can take off those nose prints. So, Lauren, how about this? Do seat covers help and canine accessories like barriers, carriers, cages, pet boosters help to clean the car? Yeah, it actually does. I use a booster for my Yorkshire Terriers, uh, and they're buckled in. But I think it's a great way to sort of control the mess. Of course, if a dog shakes, like you were saying, it's going to be everywhere. <laughs> but it, it's really a great solution to try and make maybe safe for the dog and for the driver. No, I, I think it's a good solution. But then I would worry about how do you clean those cages 
and barriers and pet boosters. You gave mm. the whole list, Dr. Fleck. I did. The kitchen sink. Too. I did. I did. I know, but it's like, oh, no. And I mean, obviously, you need to contain your your pet for the safety factor and buckle them in. But it's like you also have to make sure when you buy those accessories, right, Lauren, that you can clean them, too. Right. Obviously, when you get more carpeted-type uh, crates or things like uh, that are covers, they're going to be harder to clean. So if you find something that's a smooth material, it'll be something you can either put in your washer, you can vacuum, or you can use a cleaning product. Yeah. I mean, no one tells you that when you buy that stuff. Like, they always look good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks good. You know, it always looks good on the packet, the golden retriever lying there, or the little Yorkies or Maltese high up in the pet booster. Mm-hmm. And, but then you got to think of like, and then maybe, you know, it's economic tough times now. So maybe you can't afford the 27 or $30 supercar wash, right, Lauren? That's true, and that is sometimes the problem. So if you're really trying to be wise and maybe you have uh, some sort of seat cover, you could even put a beach towel down and then take that towel and put it in the wash just to be more economical. Great idea. Great money-saving Great idea. tip. Lauren Fix, I mean, she's got the answers. Okay, then, of course, there's the pet stink. How do we get that out of our car? Uh, there are a few products available on the market that will actually remove odors. Remember that sometimes they mask them, so don't use a perfume because it could actually cause a reaction to the dogs with, on their paws. So try to find an automotive uh, stain removal and something that also removes the odor, and that will really help. Of course, wet dog never smells good. <laughs> that is so true. So before you go, give us one safety tip. Uh, one of the top safety tips with animals is to have them either crated or belted in the back seat. I don't like animals running free in the car. One, it's a distraction to the driver. It can be very dangerous. But if there's an accident or you hit the brakes aggressively for some other reason, the animals can get very badly injured. So the safest thing you can do is buckle your animals, put them in either a crate or some sort of protection for them and for you. Lauren, that is a great safety tip. I'm so glad you were able to share for a few minutes. I mean, you know, I always like to say Lauren is a race car driver and she's a this and she's a that and she's an everything else, but she's a dog mom too. Right, Lauren? Oh, yeah. Two Yorkies. <laughs> Two Yorkies. Hey, Lauren, really, thank you for joining us today. All that information really is so informative for our pet listening audience. Because everybody drives. Everybody drives. Okay, well, everyone, that was Lauren Fix, automotive expert, author, and TV personality. Learn more about Lauren at CarCoachReports, that's with an S, dot com. Or connect with her on her social media channels at Lauren Fix. She's the greatest. I'm telling you, I've known her for years. I met Lauren way back in Delaware, Dr. Fleck. Wow. We were doing the circuit. It was a long time ago. Wow, a long time ago. A long time ago, but we're still young and beautiful. So stay tuned for more of the Pet Buzz right after this upcoming commercial. Remember, you're listening to the Best in Pet Talk Radio right here with me, pet friendologist Charlotte Reed. And, of course, me, Dr. Michael C. Fleck. And don't forget, Dr. Jillian Anglis is coming up talking about breed-specific diseases. You don't want to miss this. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. 
We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed, and we are urban, suburban, and country here at the Pet Buzz. I'm going to kick off this last segment of our show with some global pet news. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. Well, this past Tuesday, the USDA announced that a German shepherd from New York has become the first pet dog to be tested and confirmed positive for the coronavirus in the United States. Tests using swab as well as blood tests for antibodies confirm the results. The dog is expected to recover. Now, if you can recall, it seems as if Winston the Pug from North Carolina now is not the first dog in the United States to be infected with the coronavirus. After being tested preliminary, results showed that a low amount of the virus had been detected in Winston's saliva. The weak detection of Winston's original oral swab may be the result of a contamination from the COVID-19 positive household. A USDA spokesperson said that they were unable to verify infection in that dog. Well, since the outbreak of the pandemic, there have been confirmed coronavirus infections in the United States. There was the tiger, a lion, and two pet cats, all from New York. The tiger and the lion were at the Bronx Zoo, and the two pet cats were in upstate New York. It seems that, uh, as far as the German Shepherd goes, it seems that one of the German Shepherd's owners has tested positive for COVID-19, and the dog had showed some signs of respiratory illness. Another dog in the German Shepherd's household, also a German Shepherd, had showed no sign of symptoms, but was also tested and found to have coronavirus antibodies, suggesting that he had also been exposed to the virus. But even now, not in New York, but in Minnesota... The Minnesota animal health officials say that a cat has become the first pet in the state to be confirmed as having SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes COVID-19 in humans. The virus was confirmed in a cat in Carver County, west of Eden Prairie. The virus was confirmed in a cat in Carver County seven days after its owner was confirmed as being infected with COVID-19. A dog in the same household has no symptoms at this time, while the cat is said to have recovered. Many pet owners are concerned about how susceptible animals are to the coronavirus. Experts say that there is no evidence that pets can transmit the virus to people and that people should not worry about giving it to their pet. Okay, let's bring on our next guest. 
A hereditary or genetic condition is an inherited disease caused by a defect in certain genes transmitted to a puppy or a kitten from their parents. These conditions affect both a purebred and mixed breed dogs and often cost thousands of dollars to diagnose and to treat. So joining us today is veterinarian Dr. Jillian Anglis from the College of Veterinary Medicine, Western University of Health Sciences. She's back with us to talk about why it's important to have a firm understanding of inherited diseases that affect your dog breed or mixed breed dog, and I should say your wallet too. So Dr. Anglis, welcome back to the Pet Buzz. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. So let's start out by me asking you, why do we need to be familiar with breed-specific diseases prior to and maybe a case of obtaining a pet? So, you know, getting a new pet is such an exciting time. We have really, truly deep emotional bonds with our animals, and it's easy to be dominated by emotion when choosing your pet or making decisions about the right pet for our family. Uh, but we need to, unfortunately, try to keep that in check and balance it with some objective decisions. Just as it's important to choose a breed of pet that fits our family's lifestyle, my family's not really couch potatoes, but we wouldn't probably do well with a herding breed, for example. Um, we need to be considerate of potential health conditions, like you said, that are genetically related to breeds. It could be heartbreaking to bring a pet into the family that develops a disease that maybe we could have uh, avoided if it, there had been more careful breeding. Um, and we need to know what to watch for um, and how to respond early to signs of illness uh, to some of, some of these conditions. Yeah, and I think that's a great point to be able to know what to look for, be able to know the symptoms, and also make a plan. So can you talk a little bit about having an overall plan should your dog get sick? I mean, I kind of sound morbid talking about it, but I think if you're going to spend anywhere from maybe 500 to maybe in some cases $7,000 to acquire a dog or a cat, you really need to have some plans in place because you really don't want to end up with a huge vet belt and lots of heartache. No, you're completely right. Um, and so I think this is a situation where as much prevention and preparation that you can put into um, these decisions and into, you know, this lifelong bond with an animal, that's, that's the best possible. Um, so we can try to prevent as much as we can if we're working with a breeder to obtain a pet. Look into the types of diseases that are most common and the types of diagnostic tests that should be performed on breeding animals to minimize some of those genetic disease risks. And then at home, too, there's things that we can sometimes do to keep our animals safer and make some of those conditions less likely to happen. I have a beagle that's predisposed to intervertebral disc disease, and so I try to prevent her from jumping on and off tall furniture and keep her at a healthy weight to reduce the risk of some of those problems developing. Uh, but we should also think about finances, unfortunately, uh, putting money aside for our pet's care both preventative and in case they get sick and planning ahead in case we need that and having a really strong relationship with a veterinarian that you trust uh, because that's the place to start if you have any concerns about your pet's health. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you gave us such great advice. Okay, so let's talk about some of the diseases and how they affect certain dog breeds. So Dr. Fleck and I have Hannah, our golden retriever. So start out by talking about a little bit about golden retrievers and specific diseases that they have, because there's so many golden retrievers in this country, right? Yes, there are, and for a great reason. They're wonderful dogs and, and well-loved, uh, great with families. Um, 
There are, however, as you said, some specific conditions we recognize um, that can be genetically predisposed in golden retrievers. Uh, some of these are, are orthopedic diseases, uh, like hip dysplasia and elbow dysplasia. We also unfortunately recognize that some forms of cancer are more common in golden retrievers too, especially something some folks unfortunately may be aware of called hemangiosarcoma. Um, and there can be some genetically transmitted heart diseases and eye diseases that breeding animals should be checked for before going into a breeding program. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian Dr. Jillian Anglis. She's talking about breed-specific diseases and how they can affect our pets, ourselves, and also our wallet. So um, my next question has to do with mixed-breed dogs. Talk a little bit about that, Dr. Anglis. Well, a lot of us have mixed-breed dogs at home, and for many years, a lot of us have heard about genetic testing to determine what types of breeds are present. And it's fun and oftentimes really surprising to get those results. Um, and so figuring out what breeds are um, a component of your dog may be helpful in understanding the types of conditions they may be predisposed to. But further than that, um, genetic research in dogs has advanced to the point where some of those companies that can test for breeds also have the ability to identify specific genes that may be present, indicating risk for certain types of disease or even presence of certain types of disease. Um, so if you have a purebred dog even or a mixed breed dog, you can look into some of these genetic testing to try to see, you know, what your dog may be at risk for. Well, I think that's really interesting. I know a lot more people are interested in DNA tests, not only for themselves, but also for their dogs. And it helps with a variety of things in terms of food, in terms of behavior, and also in terms of what drugs you can give your dog. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Great. Great advice. Well, thank you, Dr. Anglis, for joining us today. We always love having you because you always give us such great information. Great. Thank you so much. I always love joining you guys. Great. Well, that was veterinarian Dr. Jillian Anglis from the College of Veterinary Medicine, Western University of Health Sciences, talking about breed-specific diseases. She reminds us that before we get a dog, we should know what breed-specific diseases are associated with that breed and recognizing those disease symptoms. What great advice she gave us because as much as we love our pets, we still need to pay for their care. And if something happens to them, we don't want to experience heartbreak. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Let's wrap up the show. But before we go, we want to give you a preview for next week's show. Well, next week, we're going to talk about take your dog to work, adopting cats, and even more. We want to give special thanks to our guests, Diane Robinson, Dr. Jillian Anglis, and Lauren Fix. And we must thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Now, you've heard this before. If you have a question... Write us at team at thepetbuzz.com and we'll answer your question on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as listen to your favorite streaming channel on the linked podcast on Monday morning. But most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.